Do you need treatment or surgery? There's no need to wait or travel abroad. Receive treatment at Kingsbridge Private Hospital in Belfast or Ballykelly under the Northern Ireland Planned Healthcare Scheme at potentially no cost. Why wait? Text hello to 51777 or visit kingsbridgeprivatehospital.com for further information. Good morning and welcome to Heartlands here in Midlands 103 with me, the Reverend Nigel Gill. During the week, the funeral has taken place of the Reverend Irene Morrow, who was a member of the Methodist Church in Burr for quite some years, and a wonderfully treasured and loved person in the Burr community. In fact, the Offaly Express expresses it as follows. An extraordinary person, community mourns passing of popular Offaly clergywoman. The death has taken place of Reverend Irene Morrow, who passed away on Friday, August 4th, at the age of 94. Irene was an extraordinary person who lived a full and fascinating life in Ireland, England and Ghana. She contributed an immense amount to the benefit of many. Irene, a Methodist minister, was known for her kind nature and she was hugely knowledgeable on the Bible and broadly well read. During her retirement in Burr, she gave much of her time locally and contributed much through her ministry and during her chairmanship of Burr Historical Society. She and the committee made the society quite illustrious through their seminars and especially with the celebrations of Adamon and MacRegal. During her material life, the thought of the spiritual life to come filled Irene with great strength and hope, and she is now where she wants to be. Many people in the locality will miss her kind presence deeply. Irene died peacefully at home, as was her wish. She was predeceased by her brother Edward. She is deeply regretted by her loving sister Vera, brother Eric, her family circle, many friends and her carers, especially Ruth. Indeed she is greatly missed also by her small, tight-knit church family in Burr and also here on Heartlands where Reverend Irene has been a contributor to this show over the last number of years. And so today what I want to do is I want to pay honour to her. She's a lady who I look upon as being a mentor, someone who challenged me, stretched me, encouraged me to think deeply on things and whose fellowship I thoroughly enjoyed. And so what we're going to do in this programme is going to play some of the highlights from the conversations that we've had together with you here at Heartlands down through the years. A few years ago when myself and Reverend Irene were speaking about her heading home to glory, I told her, as long as you're living, God has a plan and a purpose for your life. So he obviously has work for you still to do. She goes, oh, I don't know, Nigel. I think as Paul has said, I have run the race. Not only have I run the race, I've also done a lap of honour. But what I can tell you is that she has been ministering and blessing people Lap of honour done or not, from that time up until she passed away. But speaking, but she and I were having a conversation on many topics as always. But this extract is where she is speaking about Jesus going and preparing a place for her in heaven. In John 14, when the Lord said, In my house are many mansions. Mm. And you think of the hundreds of thousands of believers there need to be an awful lot of mansions 
Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I sometimes think about the day of um, when the uh, that Paul describes when uh, people will um, people be caught up in the air, you know, and they'll yeah. all be lifted up. Yeah. Will we recognise each other? You know, will I be waving to you? <laughs> Or to other people that I know, mm. as I go up. No, it's it's hard putting it all together and trying to visualise it. Owen, who I was talking to you about earlier, mm. he goes and speaks about the idea of entering into heaven, walking alongside someone like like Paul, mm. and Paul going and saying, turning around and going and saying, "So what did you do for the Lord?" Mm-hmm. And you already know his resume and what he did and how he was shipwrecked for three mm-hmm. times and stoned and all the different things that mm-hmm. he went through. And he goes, he says, you're just there going, um, can we just let that pass? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. Though I'd say there'd be a lot of people queuing up to talk to Paul. Yes. But then we'll have all the answers when we're with him. You think so? Well, isn't that what Paul goes and says? Now we know in part, but then we shall yes. be fully known. We shall behold him mm-hmm. face to face. Whatever it will be, I think it will be a wondrous prospect mm-hmm. to meet the Lord face to face. And yet, um, in one of Bishop Ken's um, hymns, he talks about the awful day um, to, that we may rise joyful on the awful day and I I change that when I'm go, going over it and I put it in, in um, no rise glorious on that awful day but um, I put in a joyful day instead of awful day Mm-hmm. But I don't know whether I'm doing that right or not. But if if I if I feel that a hymn doesn't express things properly, I you <laughs> I, edit ch- it. I change it. I edit it. But I I don't like other people editing hymns. Uh, Thomas Ken, he's the one that wrote "Glory to Thee, My God, This Night," which is a very useful evening prayer. Welcome back to Heartlands here in Midlands 103 with me, the Reverend Nigel Gill, where today we are paying homage, well, a tribute to the late Reverend Irene Morrow, who only recently passed away. And so I thought the best way to pay homage, to pay tribute to Reverend Irene, was to play extracts from the various conversations that I've had with her here on Heartlands over the years. Reverend Irene has joined me a number of times here on Heartlands and has been a contributor to the show here and has given you the privilege of being able to eavesdrop our conversations. When I suggested to her the idea of coming onto the radio, she said, leave that with me. And then within a week or two, she said, I need to go and do a show with you speaking about anxiety. During that conversation, I put this question to her. And I have loved her response to this day. In our discussion on anxiety, 
Would you say then that Jesus is also someone who saves us from anxiety? If someone was anxious today, if someone is there worrying about all these things that are around about them, their, their, the present circumstances they find themselves in, would you say Christ is a saviour to them? Well, you, you can discuss it in a, a theoretical sense, but you can try it out. You can practice, you, you can see, does it work? And your, all your anxieties, to, um, to pray to the Lord Jesus about them and to tell him that you're anxious and ask him to save you from this anxiety. But whether it works or not, you've got to try it. Mm-hmm. It's not enough for me to say, do it. Mm-hmm. But it's when you've tried it, if it doesn't work, all right, You've won the argument. <laughs> uh, it's just, I, I, for me, I'm just, you know, as we were just we were having like this conversation, I'm recalling where Peter actually goes and says, you know, cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. Mm-hmm. One of the things that, that I heard a person saying, which I thought was very interesting, is they described worry, which is what we're talking about in the anxiety, worry as a form of meditation, but meditating on the wrong thing. What do you think of that? Yeah, you see, worries can fill your mind. You, um, I remember a preacher once saying that um, he was preaching from the text, The Lord God Omnipotent Reigneth. And he said, you can have a penny this was before decimal coinage. You can have them before euros. Um, you can have a penny, and if you hold the penny up to your eye, you will see nothing except the penny. But if you hold it at arm's length, you see the size of the penny in relation to the whole world. He said, if you uh, hold your worries close to you and you focus entirely on them, you see nothing else. Hold them at arm's length and see them against the background of the fact that the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. See, I've heard a lot of sermons in my life and that was one of them. The next extract we're going to look at is a little bit in regard to Reverend Irene's involvement with the Burr Historical Society and a series of lectures that took place. And then the result of that was a book written by Jim Houlihan. In fact, not one book, but two books. The second book is as a result of a challenge from Reverend Irene, and she tells us the story here. Back in 97, um, well, to start the story, I read in uh, a book about Adhavnan and his hagiography of Columba, that they had a synod in Burr in 697. And I thought I'd be at home for that. And retiring in 92, I'd have five years to get to know people and to prepare for it. So I was going to try and organise something. And then I found that Margaret Hogan was interested, and also Jim Houlihan. And we worked together, and we had four or five more people on the committee. 
and we had a long weekend from from Thursday to Sunday and we had uh, different speakers and so on and a good many people came to Burr that you know were visitors I mean they hadn't been before so that was in 97 and since then Jim has studied the law of Adhavnan, the great law of Burr, which was a very early attempt to protect women and children and clerics who were not armed. And the story of this, the um, Lex Innocentium, it's called, the law of the innocents, was a great law of Burr, or Adhavnan's law. And Jim has done a, a study of it for a PhD and published his thesis. And it's now a textbook in a university in Dublin for people who are studying war and the laws of war. And the Geneva Convention, and the, these are the latest in the series that began with this, well, we think it began in Burr. There isn't a record of an earlier attempt to protect women in times of war. So he wrote this very academic book. You, It's very hard to read unless you're you know, making a study of it. So I said to him, why don't you write something popular? So that's what he wrote. And it's on sale in petrol stations or through the town and in the castle uh, bookshop, a bear shop as well. But it, it gives an idea of what Burr would have been like then. Do you need treatment or surgery? There's no need to wait or travel abroad. Receive treatment at Kingsbridge Private Hospital in Belfast or Ballykelly under the Northern Ireland Planned Healthcare Scheme at potentially no cost. Why wait? Text hello to 51777 or visit kingsbridgeprivatehospital.com for further information. Welcome back to Heartlands here in Midlands 103 with me, the Reverend Nigel Gill, where we're having a tribute, a show honouring the late Reverend Irene Morrow who was a contributor to my show and blessed me with her encouragement, blessed me with her challenges, blessed me with her knowledge and wisdom and her love of hymns. And the hymns that we've been listening to are all hymns of her choosing. When I went to visit her, she would hand me the hymn book and go and say, right, I want you to read me hymns such and such. And that's how that developed one of the things that Reverend Irene really liked to do was listen to what you were saying and preaching. And there was one day I was preaching in the church in Burr on God's sustained blessing, speaking about how Elijah, when he went and stayed with the widow of Zarephath, ended up that the little cruise of oil did not run out and the flour did not run out. And so they had bread and water for three years while the rest of the area suffered from famine due to drought, because the Lord's punishment was on the nation of Israel. As I preached on this at the end of the service, Reverend Irene went and said, Isn't it interesting that the next verse goes and says that the little boy died? Do you think that that was due to a diet of bread and water, she said to me. I was only new in the church at the time, but I was well up for arguments like that. And so the thing was, I went and said, is that why it is that the Lord went and said, we should not live by bread alone? 
There was a small truck that went around the church. But from that point, she and I would haggle over scripture and get it into, the, into it in great detail. And it was something I think we both enjoyed. But when Reverend Irene got enthused about a topic, she got enthused about a topic. And it really started to fascinate her about the person of Joseph and his role in the nativity story. However, COVID struck and so she had 12 months to ponder this story and it ended up becoming a whole program in itself. But just to give you an insight of the excitement and the enthusiasm and the depth that Reverend Irene went into, here's the introduction to her study on the person of Joseph. Have a listen. Well, in the uh, Gospels, in both Matthew and Luke, the writers give a genealogy uh, a line of descent for our Lord that to show that he was the son of Abraham and in fact in Luke to show that he came down from Adam who was the son of God. But both of them trace the descent through Joseph and it, it, it seems a contradiction because Luke has told us two chapters earlier about the virgin birth. And yet in the genealogy, he traces the descent through Joseph. And that doesn't tie up with me. The same in Matthew. Um, the descent is traced through Joseph. And yet Matthew tells us in the first chapter of the Gospel that Joseph didn't know Mary, his wife, until after Jesus was born. So that was, the, that was where I started with this problem. How did Matthew and Luke move from these contradictory statements to saying that Jesus was the son of David? OK, well, let me add another little conundrum to your puzzle. We are also given no biblical account for the genealogy of Mary. Jewish ancestry has also traditionally been traced down on the mother's side as well. So how does that make things work out for us, seeing as we don't have that account, or do we? Well, we know that Mary was um, uh, uh, related to Elizabeth, the wife of Zacharias who was uh, the father and mother of John the Baptist. Now, how close a relative she was, we don't know whether she was a cousin or a niece or whatever. But Elizabeth was an older person. Mary was, uh, well, we think she was, uh, wasn't much more than a teenager when Jesus was born. But Elizabeth and Zacharias were both of the tribe of Levi, which was the priestly tribe in Israel. Joseph was of the tribe of Judah, which was the royal tribe. The kings came from the tribe of Judah. And son of David, being the son of David was very important in the Psalms, or the prophecies in the Psalms about the Saviour who was going to come to save the world. He was going to be of the line of David. And yet, according to the genealogies, our Lord was not of the line of David. He was only of the line of David through Joseph. 
So that set me thinking then about how could we possibly uh, think of Jesus as being the son of Joseph. And then I remembered that when I was working in West Africa, I was a missionary in Ghana for years, uh, when I was out there, I got to know about their custom when uh, a baby was born, if the father gave the child a name, he was saying to the family and to the community, to everybody, this is my son. But if he refused to give the child a name, it meant that he was a bit suspicious about the child's parentage and what his wife had been up to. But of course, it was a polygamous society. So you did get infidelity from time to time. But if a man gave the child a name, he was saying, this is my son. And this in a a society where things weren't written down, you didn't have registrars of births, deaths and marriages. A rural society in the country. Now, in in Matthew chapter 1, Joseph is um, very anxious about getting married to a girl who is already pregnant. And if if he had been a Ghanaian, uh, he would have had to get the permission and approval of his father and his uncles and his brothers and his cousins. All the male members of the family would have had to give their approval to his choice of wife. And as a matter of fact, in Ghana, at the institution where I worked, the students used to do a nativity play. And in the nativity play, which they wrote themselves, they always included a scene early on in the nativity play of Joseph meeting his father and his uncles and his cousins and his brothers and all the men, all sitting around discussing the fact that the girl that he was going to marry was already pregnant and not by Joseph. And he got a lot of advice. And so when we read in the Bible that he was minded, this is in the old Bible, the authorised version, he was minded to put her away privily. You could imagine what his brothers and his uncles had been saying to him. Don't have anything to do with this girl. Would it also have been the case, I'm not decrying your story, Mm. but but would it also have been the case because of the Jewish laws being what they were, that Mary being found to be pregnant outside of wedlock, even though she was betrothed to Joseph, Mm. would mean more certain death for her? Um. Because ultimately she would have been caught in the, then are considered to have been caught in the act of adultery. Yes, I suppose so. I hadn't thought about that. Shall we have another hymn? Yes, please. Victim, this is number 771. Victim divine, thy grace we claim, while thus thy precious death we show. Once offered up, spotless lamb, in thy great temple here below. 
Thou didst for all mankind atone, and standest now before the throne. Thou standest in the holy place, as now for guilty sinners slain. The blood of sprinkling speaks, and prays all prevalent for helpless man. Thy blood is still our ransom found, and speaks salvation all around. We need not now go up to heaven to bring the long-sought Saviour down. Thou art to all already given. Thou dost even now thy banquet crown. To every faithful soul appear and show thy real presence here. Amen. Amen. Midlands 183 Welcome back to Heartlands here in Midlands 103 with me, the Reverend Nigel Gill, as we continue our tribute to the Reverend Irene Morrow. Only a week before she passed away, myself and Reverend Irene caught up for a conversation that we were going to air on the radio. And I'm just going to share a little extract on that. As you all know, just a few weeks back, I went and asked some young people three questions. And the three questions were this. First one is, what does God mean to you? The second question was, how have you seen God work in your life? And the third question is, what does your faith mean to you? So I put these questions to Reverend Irene. And here's the first one. And here's her answer to the first question. Who is God to you? Well, when I talk to him, I call him Father. And I rely on him for protection and I rely on him to keep me, especially as I become frail and I'm not able to do things. Um, relying on him has become more, much more important and he's just always there. I just feel safe because he's always there. Well, it's the enormity of his love for the whole human race. And you begin to think about all the people in every country. And he loves them all. And loving them all doesn't in any way decrease his love for the individual. And that's, it's very hard to get your mind around that. Loving so many people. And yet, I believe that that's true. So, how have you seen God at work in your life? Well, God has been at work in my life from well, from the time I was a child. I look back and I think about uh, the way I learned about him. And uh, one of the people who taught us was a dentist when we were in Baileyborough, a Miss Graham, um, Evelyn Graham. And she and her brother, her brother was a grocer, and their father, who uh, they had a hotel in a, a commercial hotel, they called it in those days. But when this is where there were no phones, you see, and people doing business had to sort of do it on the spot rather than ring up about it and talk on the phone. 
So the commercial travellers used to leave Dublin early in the week and come down the country and stay in a commercial hotel, visit their customers, get orders and so on, and then go back to Dublin on maybe Friday or sometimes Saturday. So they used to use the train. Miss Graham uh, was a dentist in Baileyborough and her brother was a grocer and her father had the hotel. That was where these commercial people stayed. And every Saturday afternoon, she had a class for children and they used to come to the manse. The Manson church were in the same grounds and the children would come from about one o'clock and play around because the grounds were lovely with um, trees and uh, and a stream running through the grounds and the cemetery was there as well. If then at three o'clock she would come and we'd all go into the church and we used to sing choruses and she'd tell us Bible stories or the Pilgrim's Progress. She told us the, the stories of Pilgrim's Progress and I think that that was really where I began to to think about God and his love for us. Of course, I mean, we had the teaching at home as well, but that was the teaching outside the home. So I owe a lot to Miss Graham. So what was your question? How have you seen God at work in your life? Mm, well, I, that's one I can look back and see, you know, how as a child, um, Miss Graham's influence helped um, with her her teaching and the home teaching, um, I was ready when God called me. It was sort of almost expected that he would call me, and he did. I'm glad that when he did call me that I was able to say, you know, to answer yes and to go his way. And then after I'd been to boarding school in Dublin, I was in Wesley. And then it was after that that I had to make a decision about what I was going to do. That was um, that. I mean, I was very aware of his his presence and his calling. And that's how you ended up in Ghana. Well, uh, yes. Um, I also used to go to the summer school, um, the Methodist Missionary Summer School, and um, it was a week in the summer. And it was a great opportunity for meeting missionaries on furlough. And people from all over Ireland used to go to it, young people. We got to know people from all over the country. Fred Ray was a great influence on me. He was a missionary in um, Rhodesia, now Zimbabwe, and a man from Dublin. He was a great man. And Ormond McConnell. And he, he had a great love for people in Haiti. So the influence of the different missionaries, you, you could sort of see their work and how God had called them and had blessed their work. And it was a great privilege to be part of that fellowship and to be part of that work. So um, I offered to go out to with the Methodist Missionary Society and they sent me to... Um, Ghana in West Africa and then I was there for oh, some years So, final question 
What does faith mean to you and why? Oh, well, I can't imagine living without faith. It's just, it's part of me. And I, I wouldn't be the person I am without faith. As I say, I can't imagine life without faith. Mm. Well, my faith is in Jesus Christ and in the promises he has made. And um, I find his promises in Scripture and then in, um, the hymn writers have taken up the promises and we sing our faith. So what hymn reveals to you promises of God? Not having had much time to think about it, one of the hymns that I like is Now thank we all our God with hearts and hands and voices who wondrous things has done in whom this world rejoices who from our mother's arms has blessed us on our way with bounteous gifts of love and still is ours today. Reverend Irene went on to quote the rest of the hymn but folks I hope you've enjoyed the extracts that. I have taken from my various interviews and conversations with Reverend Irene as she has participated with me in a number of shows over the last few years. It is indeed a day for us to now thank we all our God. And we thank God for Reverend Irene, for her faith in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And today she has heard the words... Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into your rest. A lady who has oozed faith throughout her life and has blessed many. Can you say the same? And with that, I just close with this. Thank you for listening to Heartlands here in Midlands 103. With me, the Reverend Nigel Gill. And may the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you, show your grace and turn his face towards you. And give you peace. Amen.